Uh, before we go any further, let's just open up in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, God, and Lord, as we go forth in, in the message of the service, God, Lord, I pray that you use your spirit, God. I pray that you'd speak to me and through me, Lord. Uh, Lord, it's not by me, but it's only by you. I pray that you'd show each and every one of us, including myself, what we stand in need of, God, what we need to say. I pray that you open up our eyes and our hearts. I pray that you'd be glorified in everything that we do. Lord, it's not blessed, but it's only by you. We give you all the praise and glory, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I've, been a, I've been really busy here lately. I've, uh, pre this is my third Sunday in a row of preaching. Last week I preached at uh, a church in Rushing, and so it's, and I preached here the previous week and here again this week. So been very busy. Uh, when you couple that with, with basketball season, uh, I don't know. I, feel, I don't know what God's trying to do to me because I, I keep losing all these basketball games, so I keep getting really mad and frustrated, and then he makes me preach on the, the, the next Sunday. and I'm under a lot of conviction. So uh, it, it, I said all that to say that this, as always, this comes from a place of conviction, not condemnation. So I'm never going to be the one standing up here telling you how you need to live, but this is really me telling myself how I need to live and how I need to do better. Uh, but typically, if I struggle with something, it seems like, you know, we're all humans, we're all people. Uh, and maybe y'all have something figured out that I don't. That's very possible. That, that seems to be a going trend in my life. The people around me have got it figured out a little bit better than me. Uh, and I'm usually the last one on the boat to figure something out. But if I struggle with it, I figure, I figure other people do. And if God convicts me about it, I figure God convicts other people about it. Uh, so I want to start off asking a question. I want to start off asking this question. What is keeping you from having a better relationship with God? I'm going to say that again. What is keeping you from having a better relationship with God? And so if I ask myself this question, what, you know, what's keeping me from loving God more? If I ask myself that question, there's, there's things that immediately come up in my mind. Uh, and some things uh, that would come up in my mind would be time. Okay? I know, Rachel's heard me say this a million times, and now she quotes it at me if I make an excuse about time management or something. Uh, and I've said it before in sermons and stuff, but you have, you, you make time, uh, you have time for what you make time for. In other words, you're going to spend your time how you want to spend it. And it's pretty, that is pretty simple. And so if you believe in work, you're going to spend your time working and you're going you're gonna to be dedicated to your job. And if you really like to shoot bows and you're going to make sure you do that every day. And if you like to shoot basketball or whatever, you're going to make sure you do that every day. And if you like to watch YouTube for a certain amount of time a day, you're going to make sure you get that done. You are going to make time for what you want, period. So when I, when I look at the excuse of what's keeping me from being a better Christian, having a better relationship with God, I, I think time. I think, man, well, I've got, these, got all these ball games this week, and by the time I get home, I, I don't live by the school, by the time I get the bus back and I get in my vehicle and I drive back to my house, it's usually 10 or 11 o'clock, and I really don't want to sit down and do that devotional time or whatever. You know, so I can, I can have that excuse, and I could look at that and I'd say, man, if I had more time, then my relationship with God would be better, but that's a lie, right? Because you're going to make time for what you want to make time for. And then some other things that I would think about is relationships or people in, in my life that maybe aren't Christians, maybe aren't 
uh, or maybe the work colleagues, maybe whatever, but maybe they're not the greatest influence on your life. And maybe it's really easy to get close with any person. If you're around them a lot, you could get close with absolutely any person. And the Bible's pretty clear. It's iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Now, even if you're a really good person, if you surround yourself with really bad people, you're probably going to have an impact on them in a positive way. You're going to influence them, and they, they, might, they might become a better person, but in the same way that they have an impact, you have an impact on them, they're going to have an impact on you. So if you surround yourself uh, with, with bad people, you know, I've always heard it said that, that you're the sum of the five people you're closest to in life. So if you took the five people that you're the closest to, uh, whether it be your friends, your kids, your mom, your dad, whatever, if you took the five people you're closest to, you're, that's what you are. That's who you are. You're the five. All them added up together, that's who you are. And if you think about it like that, uh, I think you could, you could at least times in my life, maybe not necessarily right now, but definitely seasons in my life, especially through high school or, or college or whatever, you could look at people that you grow close to and you could go, man, I don't know if I should have just been as close as, as I was then. Uh, you know. And so you've got to be careful who you surround yourself with. You've got to be careful who you spend your time with. You've got to be careful who you do life with. And then another thing, uh, what's keeping me from having a better relationship with God? Well, I think this is for, this is for everyone, and it's different for everyone, but sin, right? Amen. We all have things that we struggle with. We all have our own little quirks. We all have our own, our own things that we deal with, our own struggles. Uh, bad habits, you know, bad habits are not easily changed. Bad habits can lead to different sin things. So what is keeping you from having a better relationship with God? And when I ask the question, if somebody asked me that question and I really thought about it, I really took it in and I really chewed on it, there was something that would have come to my mind. Maybe it would have been one of those things. Maybe it had been something I didn't even mention right then. But for me, uh, I could have said all those different things right then. All those little things could come up into my mind. What is keeping me from having a better relationship with God? I would bet that something came to mind for you. And so my, I have another question. If you know what it is, why don't you change? Amen. If you can sit here and say, this right here is keeping me from having a better relationship with God, then why don't you change? Because as Christians, I think we can all agree on this. The goal in life, grow closer to God. Pretty simple. Everybody would agree on that, that fundamental truth uh, that life is really about knowing Him more and making Him known. And that was the, the purpose of Jesus' ministry. Uh, that's, that's the purpose as us as Christians. We want, we want to know Jesus Christ more and more each and every day. It should be our priority in our life. And if there's something that's standing in the way of that, why would we not change it? Well, I think this is very true. It's really hard to change. It's hard to change because it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of dedication. Don't matter what it is. Uh, and I've learned this more so just coaching basketball than it's just evident in every day. Uh, so you're, you're coaching, well, you identify a problem, might be a defense problem, might be an offense problem, might be a box out problem, might be any kind of problem. It has to be changed. We're not any good if this don't change. So what happens? Well, you, you, you have to go to practice. What you do in practice is what you're going to do in a game. Uh, and then you might see these problems in practice. But what I've learned is it takes a lot of time and a lot of dedication to change a problem. 
takes a ton of effort, takes zero days off. It takes every time you see this problem, it has to be dealt with, it has to be talked about, it has to be yelled about in some cases, it has to be confronted, and you have to change. If you want it to change, it's just going to keep going. It's going to keep being a problem if you don't face it head on, if you don't confront it, if you don't deal with it. And I think for us as Christians, for me as a Christian, I can identify what's keeping me from being a better Christian. And I, I understand it. I know what it is. Why don't you change? Well, honestly, it's hard to change because it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of effort. And then you can, you can couple these other excuses together. Well, I'd, I'd change if I had more time. No, I'm really busy. I've got three kids. I've got a full-time job. I work 60 hours a week. I've Whatever. But at the end of the day, they're all the same things. They're excuses, right? Amen. And it's the same thing if I was coaching. You can have all these problems. We can identify them. We can talk about them. But if we don't take the time and the dedication and we stay on top of it and make efforts to change, it will never get changed. And you can make a lot of excuses as to why it don't get changed, but at the end of the day, that's what they are. They're excuses. And so, interestingly enough, change is something that's essential for the Christian life. God demands change from everyone. Jesus' message to the world is that you must change. You must change. That there's, there's this problem, and it's sin, and it's where we're headed and we're all, we're all consumed by it. We've all got this same problem. We all fight this same enemy. And there, Jesus said there's a better way, but you have to change. Jesus said this in Luke 9, 23. He said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must first deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Amen. Boy, if you were to break that down, there's a lot about changing, Right. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to be my disciple, if you want to be a real follower of me, if you really want to know who I am, if you really want to be about my business, if you want to have a better relationship with me, this is what must be done. First, you must deny yourself. Amen. Okay, so now it becomes a... It come, Jesus said it needs to become a lot less about you and a lot more about me. Amen. Right? Deny yourself. What does that mean? When I think about denying myself, I think about me coming to a place of surrender, me taking myself and realizing, you know what? The world don't revolve around me. And sometimes that's a, that for me, that's a big pill to swallow, you know? It's not all about what I want. It's not all about my way. It's not all about what I think is best. And Jesus said, you need to deny yourself. You need to, you need to understand it's not about you. It's about me. So he said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must first deny himself. And then the Bible says he must take up his cross daily. So we, we've got to step out of the picture and realize it's not about me. And then the Bible says we've got to take up this cross. We've got to have this understanding that, that Jesus is our King, that Jesus is our Lord. And the Bible says take up our cross daily. So it's not, it's not, it's not a decision we make once in our life and then... We've got it figured out. We've got it fixed. We're saved. We're Christians. That's the end of the story, right? But the Bible says, take up your cross daily. And then the last thing he says is, follow me. Amen. Become a follower. Amen. That realize you, 
You denied yourself. You took yourself out of the equation. And now we're taking up this cross and we're taking up this understanding that I'm not living for self, but I'm actually living for somebody else. And the last thing Jesus says is, follow me. So now I'm going to stop going where I want to go and I'm going to go where he wants me to go. All of that is change. We must change. I must change. And so there's change. And then the Bible said this, Jesus said this in Matthew 4, 17. He started his ministry and the Bible, it says, Jesus began to preach throughout the area and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. What does repent mean? Repent means to change your mind, turn from your sin, and go the other way. A lot of what was just said in the last verse. Repent means to change your mind, change the way we think, change the way that we've looked at things, turn from your sin, and now go a different way. Live a different life. Be a different person. And when we we look at what's going on in the world today, we look at what's going on in the church world today, I don't see a lot of difference. You see, we should be a changed people. That don't mean we'd be a perfect people, but we should be a changed people. That when we do something wrong, and I'm preaching to myself here, when we do something wrong, when we say things that were wrong, we should feel God's conviction. We should not want to be like everybody else. We shouldn't want to laugh at the same things everybody else laughs at. We shouldn't want to act like how everybody else acts. That we honestly, we should have conviction and we should want to be different because we realize I'm not following other men. That I'm following a king. And I'm not not following self. I'm following Jesus. So I've got to step aside and I've got to deny myself and I've got to realize that I need change, that I need to repent, that I need to change my mind, that I need to look at things differently, that I need to go a different way than the rest of the world. The world's headed somewhere pretty clear. As old-timers might say, seems like we're headed to hell in a handbasket. You know, have you ever heard that? And honestly, I say that not as a joke, but in seriousness, that the world is not headed to a great place. Amen. That there's, there's things that's going on that's not good. There's things that's going on that's sinful. And the church don't seem like it's any different, Right? And so to be a follower of Christ, we must be willing to change. Plain and simple. I have to be willing to change. If I want to grow closer to Him, even as a saved Christian, as a believer for several years, but at the end of the day, my goal is still to grow closer to Him, to know Him more. I have to be willing to change even now. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 1. The Bible says this. It says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture says without reason that He jealously longs for the Spirit He has caused to dwell in us? 
I like James because James is pretty simple and pretty straightforward. He just, keeps it, he just keeps it pretty real with everybody. And the Bible says in James 4, he says, What's causing you to have fights and quarrels? And he says, does it not come from the desires that battle within you? And it reminds me a lot of what I started off, the question that I asked us. What's keeping you from having a better relationship with God? Similar question here. And James would say, it's the, it's the desires that you have within you. It's this internal battle. It's this, it's this spiritual battle that we all face. It's these desires within us. And James goes on to say, he says, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. But when you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures, on yourself. That when we ask God for something, it's not out of the best interest of the church or for humanity, but it's often for self. He says, you do not receive what you ask for because when you ask, you're asking for yourself, for your own pleasures. You don't have these things, so you quarrel and you fight. And don't all these problems come from your own desires? And the Bible goes on and it goes on through here and it says, don't you know that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. So the Bible's being very clear that we should be different than the world. Amen. There should be a clear-cut difference that the things that the world desires is not what me as a Christian should desire. That we've got a different purpose, we've got different goals, we've got a different direction that we're going, that there's something different about the Christian life and a worldly life. We've been reading a devotional uh, in Sunday school every week, and this week's devotional uh, was by A.W. Tozer, and he's a famous Christian author, old school guy, incredibly smart. Uh, and I wanted, to, I wanted to read this because it, it went, it went right along with what James was saying here. <clears throat> Bear with me. This man's much smarter with me. He uses some big words so I could make some up. Okay, so... He says this, A.W. Tozer said, Much of our difficulty as seeking Christians stems from unwillingness to take God as He is and adjust our lives accordingly. We insist upon trying to modify Him to bring Him near to our own image. The moment we make up our minds that we're going with this determination to exalt God over all, we step out of the world's parade. We shall find ourselves out of adjustment to the ways of the world, and increasingly so, we should make progress in the holy way. We shall acquire a new viewpoint. A new and different psychology will be formed within us. A new power will begin to surprise us by its upsurgings and its outgoings. Our break with the world will be direct outcome of our changed relation to God. For the world of fallen men does not honor God. Millions call themselves by His name. It is true. They pay some token of respect to Him. But a simple test will show how little He is really honored among them. Let the average man be put to the proof on the question of who is above. And His true position will be exposed. Let him be forced into making a choice between God and money. Between God and men between God and personal ambition, between God and self, between God and human love. And God will take second place every time. Yes, 
those other things will be exalted above. However, the man may protest, but the proof is in the choices he makes day after day throughout his life. So right along with what this says in James, the one that's a friend to the world is an enemy of God. And Tozer said, let every, let every man be asked this question, and the proof is in the pudding of what he will choose. Let every man be asked this question, who is above? And he goes on, he says, God or money? God or self? God or human affection? And he said, to the average man, they'll put all those other things above God. He said, but the proof of who that man really puts above is in the choices they make each and every day. Who are we putting first in our life each and every day? What choices? If I, if I look at the choices I've made this past week, am I going to see that the choices I've made was putting God first or, or was there choices that was made that put something else first? Whether it be job, whether it be money, whether it be human relationships, whether it be power, whatever it is. What are the choices that we make each and every day say about our relationship with God? Are the choices we make saying, God, I'm, I'm growing closer to you. God, I'm under your conviction. I, I'm not doing everything right, but I am trying to conform my life to honor you the best that I can. Or does our choices show that we're complacent? Do they show that we're not taking God as serious as we should? Do they show that... Maybe our lives aren't really headed in a, in a direction that's advancing the kingdom of God. It just shows complacency. It just shows that we're a Christian, that you know, I go to church every single Sunday. Right? Amen. <clears throat> As we go on here, James chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says this. It says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and well. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Amen. And so James gives this problem, and he says that in the beginning of chapter 4, he says, don't be a friend of the world. And he goes on and he says these things, and... <clears throat> Don't be a friend of the world. Don't be an adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means you're, you're an enemy of God? And he says these things and he talks about the desires that battle within us and the quarrels. And he gives these problems. But in verse 7, he begins to give the solution. He says, therefore then, submit yourselves to God. And that's the answer, is submit to God. And I think that's the answer in my own life is that when we submit to God, it's this acknowledgement that, God, I'm not right, that, God, I need you, God, the way I've been going is not the right way, that I need to go a different way, so I'm surrendering my heart, I'm surrendering my mind, I'm surrendering my life, I'm surrendering my family, I'm surrendering everything to you, and I'm acknowledging that I need a greater power in my life. I, I need a greater direction. I need a greater life because I can be better than what I'm being. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee for you. And then I love 
verse 8, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It says, come near to God and He will come near to you. Amen. So when I, when I submit and I understand that I, I surrender and that I need to deny myself and I need to take up my cross and I need, I need to follow Him. I submit to God and I resist the devil and He's going to flee from me and then I'm going to start to draw near to God. And the Bible says that when I start drawing near to Him, when I start seeking Him, when I start loving Him the way that I should, that the God of the universe will understand that, will acknowledge that, will see that, and He will draw near to me. And so when I make time for Him, He's going to make time for me. Amen. When I start running toward Him, He's going to run toward me. When it becomes a priority in our life to love God appropriately as we should, God will all of a sudden become completely evident in our own life. Amen. I love what verse 10 says too. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Right? And there's something about that. There's something about being broken, being heartbroke, being messed up, being at a really low point, but knowing that when you're humble before the Lord, He will lift you up. When you're at your lowest, when you're, at, when you're confused, when you're broken, whatever, there's something special about being at rock bottom because it's a great foundation on which to build there's something about being humble. There's something about acknowledging, God, I'm submitting to you. I'm surrendering. I understand that I need you and I'm tired of self. I'm tired of living for self, but I want to live for something greater. So I'm going to submit to you and I'm going to humble myself before you, believing that you can take any life and make it something special, make it something great to advance your kingdom. So when I stop living for self and I stop living and I start living for him, he will lift me up. Right? There's something special about that. If y'all stand with me. As we begin to close, I want to go back with a question I asked. What is keeping you from having a better relationship with God? If you know... Why don't you change? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If anybody wants to pray for absolutely any reason, just consider the altars open right now.